As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're ready to take your game to the next level, who better to lead the way than our own Luke Bogacki? Check out This Is Bracket Racing Elite today. Today's podcast is presented by Racing RVs. Based near Dayton, Ohio, Racing RVs is your source for quality new or used trucks, motorhomes, and trailers. Whether you're buying, selling, or trading, make Racing RVs your first call. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your host, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. And the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Hello everyone and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. Speaking of hot drivers, what's happening, Luke? What's up, Big Jed? How are you today? Man, really, really good. Can't complain a bit. Fantastic. I'm enjoying it. It's a beautiful day in Southern Illinois, so I'm in a, I'm in a good mood myself. And we've got awesome. a big show today. Um, we, we talked last week a little bit about making this our, our anti-theft episode, um, but we weren't really thinking. There is, uh, there's too much to cover. We, we got too much going on. And next week, next day, this coming weekend, is Mother's Day. So there's not a lot of racing on Mother's Day. By the way, that was a public service announcement. Guys, <laughs> this weekend is Mother's Day. The mothers in your life, take care of them. They deserve Absolutely. something special. Um, but I, I think that'll give us a good opportunity next week to really dive in and because I want to dedicate an entire show to that. Sure. Um, so, but this week, like I say, a bunch going on. Jed was at Galat. 
I was in Atlanta, um, Big Bucks Race in Huntsville, Alabama, NHRA in Division 6 in Boise. So we got a lot to cover. But before we get into that, I wanted to quickly go back on something that we talked about last week and we had a little bit of fun with. Um, following the NHRA National Event at Charlotte, where John LaBouche Jr. doubled up, won Super Comp Super Gas, LaBouche became just the 22nd driver in NHRA history to double. And we, uh, we, we got ourselves involved in a little bit of trivia last week on the, on the show when we tried to name off the other 21. Uh, yeah. Fairly successfully, I'd say. No, I wouldn't say it was terrible. Oh, I didn't do great. I think you obviously did a little better than I did, but missed, uh, missed some that it was probably pretty obvious. Together, we came up with 19 of the 22. So I, I think that's excellent. Yep. Um, and just to recap, the ones that we had talked about, Pat Austin, Scotty Richardson, Edmund Richardson, Peter Biondo, Kevin Helms, David Rampey, Dan Fletcher. I mean, this is a who's who of sportsman drag Yes, it is. Brad Plord, Jimmy DeFrank, Drew Skillman, Tommy Phillips, Jeg Coughlin Jr., Jody Lang. More recently, just last year, Jeff Strickland. This year, Ed Olpen, and obviously, John LaBoose Jr., Jeff Taylor, Gary Stinnett. Todd France. That was 19 of the 22 who we missed. Mm-hmm. And we said once we knew all the names, we'd go, oh, I can't believe we didn't think of that. So our apologies to Bo Butner, Steve Zubka, who doubled up at uh, Bellrose. I actually remember that happening uh, just a couple years ago. And the one that I think we're really kicking ourselves over. Yeah. Anthony Bertazzi. Yeah. The uh, yeah. Anthony obviously comes to mind for me for all of his IHRA success. I know he's won an NHRA World Championship. I, I, I didn't even remember the event, but it was at uh, Epping, New Hampshire just a couple years ago uh, that Anthony doubled up. I believe it was stock and super stock. So, sorry, AB. We missed you. Yeah. Yeah, that one, I should have got that one. But in the in the spirit of keeping this going, because I don't know about you, Jed, I had fun with this, and, and we got our listeners oh, yeah. involved on the Facebook page. It was it was good conversation. So carrying this just a little bit further, those are the 22 drivers that have doubled up in NHRA National Event Competition, but those 22 guys have accounted for 35 double-ups. So eight of the drivers that we just talked about, eight of the 22, have doubled on more than one occasion. So my trivia for you, Big Jed, is... Can you name the eight? Hmm. Okay. So, ooh. so I remember a post that Kevin McKenna made that said Edmund had done it five times. So obviously Edmund's one. Edmund is, it's funny how the king is the king of double ups. Yeah. So I would assume that little brother has done it as well. And Scotty was a guy that doubled more than once. That was an assumption that I would have made, too. Believe it or not, I, I would have assumed that Scotty's done this three, four, five times himself. It's only it's only happened once for SR uh, at Phoenix. Wow. Uh, I think Kevin gave me the detailed rundown. Phoenix, 1995. Oh, boy. I'm in trouble here. <laughs> I'm already. <laughs> so that's a swing and a miss, but it's a swing and a miss that I think just about anybody would have had. So that's one up, one down, Big Jed. Peter has to have done it more than once. Good call. He has done it twice. I, I'll tell you what. Of the, the what did I say, eight names, there yeah. are only two that have doubled more than twice. Edmund, obviously, is one of them, having done it five times. 
Who would be the other one you think that's done it more than twice? More than twice. Man, I want to go Jimmy DeFrank. Okay, Jimmy's done it twice, so I'm going to give you credit for that uh, one. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, well, maybe, uh, maybe we'll just regress here because I, I feel like I'm knocking you down, but you're three for me. So let's just go on with the list. Okay. Tell all right, me. All right. So you got Edmund. He's done it five times. Scotty has just doubled once. So that was a swing and a miss. Peter has doubled twice. Jimmy DeFrank has doubled twice. Okay. All right. So There's you got three. three of the eight. Yeah. Tommy Phillips. TP has doubled twice. Both Super Comp, Super Gas did it at Dallas one year that we talked about on the podcast last week. Also did it at Bell Rose, the Sports Nationals. So four for five is pretty stout, Big Jed. Who else you got? Yeah, that's half of them. Um, as I look down the list, I would say that Jeff Taylor has done it more than once. Good call. JT has also done it twice. How about this? Six for or five for six. Big Jed, go. Okay. Um, oh boy. This is getting tough now. Um, did I did I say Fletcher? No. <laughs> if I said Fletcher, would I be right? <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> that's another oh. one that you would just assume oh, has so done obvious. more than once. Um, but Fletcher actually, I don't remember the exact details, but when he did double up, it was just recently. Um, let me pull it up here. It was Seattle, two thousand and thirteen. I know when he doubled. Up to that point, I, then I may be off one or two on the numbers. I believe he had been in two final rounds like 12 times before he doubled. Wow. And every one of those 12 wow. occasions, he split them. One win, one runner-up. Oh, my goodness. Never got the ultimate defeat with the two runner-ups, but never actually pulled the double until Seattle cool 13. Stat. And to this point, that's the only time that he's done it. So, again, I can't fault you there for Scotty or Fletcher saying that they've doubled more than once, but they are the two uh, that have not. Gary Stennett has been a dominant sportsman racer. He had to have done it more than once. He has been a dominant sportsman racer. He has also doubled once. Uh It was actually one of the first. I'm falling off here. uh, This was Denver in 98. Uh, Stennett won super stock and super comp. Uh, most like I'm one. Well, I, I, I actually I'd say most people don't remember Gary running Super Gas. He actually won some Super Gas races. He still runs Super Stock occasionally. But uh, yeah. but yeah, that's been shoot almost 20 years ago now. But and just once uh, another one that's kind of surprising. Which you could pick any of these 22 guys and expect like they're all awesome. So yeah, still, well, what are, what are you now? Five for eight? Yeah, now I'm looking up the list here. I. I, I I let one slip by that had to have done it. Kevin Helms has to have done it more than once. Uh, <laughs> Hello? <laughs> no. Still, Helms, still there? <laughs> still uh, still one. And it was actually uh, a while back as well. He's been, he was close just at, uh, was it Houston? A couple of weeks yeah. ago? Had yes, a winner runner up. His only double was at Denver in 2005. Stock and super stock. Wow. Slipping on me, dude. You're slipping. Yeah, I'm slipping. I feel like I'm about to name every name just guessing. <laughs> you, you might, as well, might as well just finish, shoot the knockout blow my way. Set me down. Okay, after uh, after three straight whiffs. Uh, okay, you did get Edmund. You did get Peter. You did get Jimmy DeFrank, Tommy Phillips, Jeff Taylor. She got five of the eight. Um, the one obvious one. Uh, you still haven't named the, the driver that won more than two other than Edmund, which is Rambo. 
David Rampey has doubled oh, my four goodness. different occasions and nearly added to that last weekend in Atlanta. Uh, Rambo won Superstock, red-lighted in the semifinal of Super Street, driving his son's car. He's an Alabama guy. How did I miss that? Well, sometimes we oh, just overlook things. It's so obvious that I just missed it. The, uh, the other three drivers that have doubled twice are Pat Austin, who had the first... I, I said last episode that he had the first double up in history. He had the first two. Um, on top wow. and top alcohol funny car at Topeka in 91, and then accomplished the same feat in Phoenix of 92, which was just a couple of months before Edmund first doubled at Atlanta the same year. Um, okay, so we had Pat Austin, Edmund, Jeff Taylor, Rampy, Peter, Tommy Phillips. The only other one that we're missing, uh, you'd said Jimmy DeFrank. The only other one is Jody Lang. Jody Lang has also doubled on two occasions. Those being, let me pull up here. Las Vegas in 2009, stock super stock, and then Seattle in 2011, same two classes. Mm. Yeah, Jody Lang was another obvious choice. I should have known that. So, all right, a little trivia for pretty cool if there. Interested? Yeah, I thought that was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's uh, that's some impressive. That's an impressive list. <laughs> really, yes. yeah, no doubt. Um, and we'll get to it a little bit more in Atlanta this weekend. I talked about Rampy being close. There were several drivers that nearly put their name on that list. Um, Ray Ray won Super Gas, lost in the semis of Super Comp, and my buddy Joe Fisher won Top Dragster. Actually, lost. I think there were six cars left in Super Gas, but he lost by a thousandth to David Tatum for the bite of the final. So he'd had a chance to join that list as well. Kind of, kind of impromptu, off the cuff, whatever. Who's going to be the next? person to put their name on the list for the first time Luke mm. I got a name just just come to me I know I call me a a, a prisoner of the moment um, just watching him do what he did last week no you know what I, I was gonna say Ray Ray and I think that's an excellent pick but I'll, I'll take KB like I'm all in on the KB train and I kind of threw mm. him under the bus last week um, it wouldn't shock me a bit if his first national event win, he like was followed by his second, like within 15 minutes and he yep. went top dragster and super comp somewhere. So I'll go with KB. Well, I like the way you're thinking. I definitely think it's going to be somebody that's, that's in a similar setting in each class. Um, and I would say it's going to be Cooter. Ooh, I think Hidalgo <laughs> Jr. is going to win stock and super stock somewhere at some point. Pretty soon. Yeah. I Guys, like that he, he's nasty. Yeah, without question. All right, Jed, you, you were at Glott over the weekend. Uh, spring fling, first time it came to North Carolina. Give me a I, – I don't know what we want to talk about. Your weekend first or we want to talk about spring fling in general? Give me a, give me a take because I was, I was keeping up as best I could on Facebook. But tell me about Glott. Well, real quick, um, I, I think we'll just give an overview of the event first. That, and it was uh, phenomenal. Um, I didn't get there till very early Thursday morning. JJ and I rolled in. We'll talk about why we didn't get there till then a little bit later. But uh, immediately when you pull into place, you know, it's a super wide entrance and it's, you know, it's really nice. And, you know, just right then, just by the look of the the entrance gate and the booth and all that, that you know, this place is, is going to be a nice place. And as I rolled closer to the tower where I was pitted behind the tower, is just a phenomenal facility. Um, man, I'd, I'd heard great things, but I had no idea how nice this place was. And 
uh, Peter and Kyle did a great job of, of picking an excellent venue for their third event. So um, hats off to those guys and, and the, the Galat staff and, and owners that helped put it together. But um, aside from that, they had a warm-up race on Tuesday. Um, it was a dragster uh, shootout where both finalists got new dragster chassis and Paul Warwick uh, got uh, the win over Racing Jason to get things started out on Tuesday. And uh, both of those guys got to pick up a new chassis. Yeah, very cool. I was happy to see JJ uh, pick him up a dragster. It looked like he had a good weekend. It looked like he left Galat. Uh, I think one of his daughters had a graduation. And then he ended up winning at the hill on Saturday night in his truck. So, Oh, really? Yeah, pretty, pretty stellar few days for Racing Jason. I didn't even realize that. I knew that he did leave early and uh, go take care of some family business, which uh, I thought was pretty darn cool. Um, 50 grand are coming up, and, you know, Jason, uh, has his life has got to the point where he knows what's most important, and he he went and uh, took care of what was most important. So good for racing, Jason. Uh, Wednesday got into the uh, Yukon Gear and Axle $15,000-to-win race, and uh, Sugar Shane, which – drove absolutely phenomenal all weekend even when he didn't get the win light it, he was super impressive and he got the win over a guy that just freaking goes to final rounds at the spring fling tommy cable he does he has a penchant for that race doesn't he he really does doesn't matter where it is i guess he just goes final rounds so. and what was you weren't there for wednesday were you what was tommy driving he was in a door car wasn't he Tommy was in a, a door car. I can't remember the owner's name, but it's a friend of his, and it's a, you know, probably a mid to late 90s Camaro that was going 520s, and it was not a wild 520s. It was really tame. car was really nice and did did what it was supposed to do for Tommy, obviously. Very nice, very nice. And, and then Wednesday also had the, the door car shootout, correct? Yeah, yeah, the Hoosier Door Car Shootout was a Wednesday, and, and it's Randall like a Plenty. random drawing. Thirty-two cars. How do they? Yeah, do that? thirty-two. Yeah, they draw out thirty-two of the door cars, and I uh, give them opportunity to come up and pay the entry and race. Uh, I think it's ten thousand dollars, if I remember right. Yeah, I, uh, so I saw I saw Randall B. cheesing in the winter circle photo, and I believe that the uh, the check said ten G's on it. Yep, got by Don Hanson in the final of that one. So. A good way for those guys to get their week started on a Wednesday. And that rolled us into the main events, which uh, Wiseco Thursday was a $20,000 to win race. And uh, we all knew weather was coming at some time Thursday evening. So the guys made the decision to give new entries a time shot and get after it, which was on the schedule that way. And uh, they got started early and got things rolling right along. And in the, at the end of the day, Jeffrey Dobbins, Got the win over Brandon Collins. A um, couple of dragster guys shot it out there, and uh, Jeffrey Dobbins got his first major win there for $20,000, which was really fun winter circle celebration with those guys. Good deal. Yeah, no, that's a name, which I know his father was very successful in IHRA when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, but Jeffrey's one that I've been hearing about for a couple of years now, kind of tearing up that area, so... I guess I'm a little bit surprised here. That was his first big payday, but something that I, I think a lot of people saw coming. Yeah, I could see more coming for sure. Right. So then we rolled into what was the biggest day, and uh, that was the Strange Engineering Friday 50K, 
and we did get the weather that was expected. It really couldn't have been at a more perfect time, I guess, if it was coming, Luke. It was um, a lot of rain, a lot of wind, a lot of noise, but it got there sometime between midnight and 8 a.m. Uh, was pretty rough there in the middle of that, but uh, when things were supposed to get started, the guys uh, Galat got out on the racetrack with their great equipment and their great staff and had the racetrack ready to go probably by 10.30, 10.45, a new entry time trial, and uh, let it rock and roll. And uh, sometime Friday night, we got the $50,000 final settled. Um, would like to mention Tommy Plot got uh, to the quarterfinals in his dragster and semis in the door car. We'll talk more about Tommy in a little bit, but that was a heck of a... <laughs> Heck of a performance by Tommy, but Tommy Cable ended his day in the semis. And then uh, Terry Brannon, and you know him as Turtle, which is KB's dad. He uh, he took his dragster to the final round victory over Tommy Cable. And what was interesting, look, the wind was blowing. It's a, it's a Maddox chassis, and it's got fenders on it, which I'm loving. I don't know how you feel about it, and you might not want to say how you feel about it, but I am loving the fenders i did not realize that he was a fender dragster but i have a feeling that after him winning friday bug winning saturday fenders may be all the rage well they may be unless it's real windy which oh, it okay. was on friday <laughs> i think about third round or so turtle pulled the fenders off he he told shane that it was just moving the dragster around a little bit with the wind really? so he pulled the fenders off and they said it picked up three hundreds Wow. He got by the round and then obviously finished the deal off. So I think he'll probably be one of the first ever to, if not the only one, to pull the fenders off of his dragster in the middle of a race and things work out like that. But I've uh, heard of getting your doors blown off, but I never heard of just pulling your fenders off. So. He sure did. He pulled them off. So it was uh, really cool. Uh, Turtle, anybody that knows Turtle knows he's a wonderful man. Um, just a joy to be around, happy to be there. And it was really cool to watch him get that win over again. Tommy Cable, a guy that just keeps doing it over and over and over. Absolutely. Congrats to Turtle. That is Turtle, father of rabbit. Um, yeah. yeah. Hey, first thing he said as he was crawling out of the car is if a rabbit can do it, a turtle can do it. <laughs> <laughs> and he was right. <laughs> and that night cool. was, was Cable in his drag? Sure. Was he in that same door car? Cable was in the door car. Really? Yep. Wow. Yep. Nice. The same door car to the final round there. Um, I got uh, to give you a little bit of credit there. Neither of us picked Turtle to win the 50, but your pick was, of course, you said if it was a dragster, it would be Tommy yeah. Cable. But still, yeah. that was that was your horse, and you rode him to the final round. So I got to give you some credit for that pick. Yeah, and I said if it was a door car, it would be Tommy Plot. Yeah, and, he uh, Tommy, everything else on the weekend. He got to the semis, so feel like i picked a couple of good horses but that wasn't like i was going way out on a limb by picking tommy cable or tommy plot either so uh really good to see those guys perform well again and then we got into saturday's uh, jegs 20k wrap up and another guy that's near and dear to my heart that uh, has been super good to me bug mccarty took his fendered american chassis um, and you you've probably seen his ride as well and it's a it's beautiful whip and he got by Tommy Plot in the door car. Yeah, so uh, at the end of the weekend, or actually there was about seven cars left, I think, on Saturday when Peter and Kyle um, had me announce the MVP, the Todd's Extreme MVP, which was a beautiful Simpson Devil Ray helmet 
that Todd painted up uh, with a beautiful scheme on it and logoed it with a spring fling logo and a thousand dollars from Todd. And that was, as you mentioned, Tommy Plot. Uh, so Tommy got to celebrate in the winter circle, a runner up to bug and got to receive that beautiful helmet and a thousand dollars. So uh, just a, another great spring fling event. Can't, can't say much more than that. Yeah, we had mentioned, you'd mentioned Plot was a semi-finalist in the 50-grander. He had two cars in late in that race, right? Like, yep, quarterfinal in, yep, quarterfinal in the dragster and semi in the door car. And then came back to runner-up on Saturday, so well-deserved. I imagine that was a battle between Cable and Plot for MVP. I don't think he could really go wrong either way. It was, and uh, and Sugar was in there as well, mm-hmm. because even in the losses, uh, he, he drove extremely well, just come up on some bad ends there, so... And Tommy Plot ended my day on Saturday. I was 11 dead eight to him, I think, fourth round, and uh, his 11 total, I was no match for him. So uh, it was was tough, but Tommy's one of the best, so you can't feel bad about coming up short to him. Sounded like that may have just been another chapter in what was a pretty rough weekend for Team <laughs> <laughs> give Give our listeners just a little insight. I hadn't got a chance to talk to you, but I was keeping up on Facebook when I could. We had pretty limited service in Atlanta, but it didn't look like you were just having the, the most enjoyable weekend of your career. <laughs> it was not. I come off a great weekend the prior weekend, you know, so I'm, I'm full of confidence. But uh, I, we JJ and I get started about midday on Wednesday and I'm hearing a little noise. Sounds like the sleepy strips on the on the side of the road, um, but I'm not off the side of the road, so I'm running right down the middle. So immediately I chalk it up to bad Alabama road. And I'm a little aggravated that our roads aren't any better than that. And it goes away and comes back, goes away, comes back, and then I I'm thinking, okay, I tell him, but we might have a tire issue. We got new ones on the back, the fronts maybe having too much age on them. So I'm gonna pull over here, truck stop, and check them. Tires are fine. Get back on the road, and uh, I was about 50 miles from the Georgia line. When I crossed the Georgia line, she's starting to hammer pretty good. Uh, the rear end is, is rear end's whining, so I immediately think the rear end's coming out of it. And I finally uh, find somebody over there in Georgia that can help, which I should have known. My, my buddy, Casey Prince at Southern Truck Parts, tells me limp it to him, which is about another 30, 40 miles. And he said, you know, I'll tear it down and and get it fixed for you when you come back through it'll be ready and jonathan anderson our, our buddy jonathan was going to loan me a dually to go the rest of the way so you know, i'm feeling really good about my network right now and some people trying to help and when i pull into casey's uh lot at southern truck parts there's a little low spot maybe three or four inches low when i pull in the trailer jack tries to drag completely off the trailer and i'm like boy this that don't it's just that, going that don't way. that don't sound right that thing's dragging it shouldn't have been dragging casey immediately jumps under it and goes i see the problem have you fixed in five minutes it's a leveling rod on the airbag and it tell, tells the airbag where to ride uh, based on whatever amount of weight or whatever you got on it so you're just riding it, low yep just riding low and it's just broken he jumps under there and they, they fix it in five minutes man he sends me on my way I just, I couldn't be happier. So nice. I I get about 80 miles down the road and uh, the rear end's whining again. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, this ain't good. So call Casey and he says, well, tell me when you get pulled over. And he said, uh, if it's broke again, something's wrong. You you got some problems and then we'll, I'll try to find you some help. 
So I crawl under it and said, well, there's rods dangling. He said, take a picture of it. So I take a picture, send it. He said, no, it's the other end. Slide it back down this little rubber sleeve and tighten this clamp and you'll be good to go. And I do it and it makes it to a lot and everything's wonderful. Fantastic. All right. Oh, I couldn't be better. <laughs> so I, I, I get Big Red out and get her warmed up for my new entry time trial Thursday morning. I'm sitting in the lanes and loose change and a couple of boys talking to me about the, the big wheelie that I talked about Bones doing. They both say, if, uh, if you got a wheelie problem, you're going to have one here. I'm like, well, you know, really, I mean, how how different can it be? I just raced at Holiday Beach last week and performed pretty decent. And, you know, car's good and I've got it tamed down. Everything's great. A couple more people come by and tell me the same thing. They biggest wheelie they've ever done is here. So I'm starting to get a little concerned. So where I had it at Holiday Beach, which is one and a half, had it halfway tight. I go and tighten it just a little more just to make sure I don't have a problem. And I pull up there. Pull up there on this beautiful racetrack and let go of the button. And when it leaves, it goes straight up. And it's one of those things Bones told me all about it. But I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, you know, I've done big wheelies. Never done one like this. It's going down the track and all I can see is the sky. I mean, it really is. There's nothing else you can see but, the you know, the tip of the hood. And you can't see anything out in front of me. I had no idea where I was going. If I'm jumping the wall, if I'm running over the guy beside me, just it's just a terrible feeling. And I I pump it a couple of times in the air, and it ain't it's laughing. It ain't even thinking about coming down. <laughs> so I give it one a long stroke. It you know I I let all the way off and try. I said I'm thinking as soon as it starts coming down, I'm gonna gas on it and I'm gonna save it. Well, no, when it starts coming down, nothing can stop it. It, <laughs> it came down and banged real hard and dented the oil pan again and front end wobbled and it was a really bad so i'm thinking you know i'm done for the weekend on my first lap here it's pretty good and i limp it back to the trailer oil pressure is good talk to bones take a picture of the pan do all that and i do it he says run it looks good run it so that's a good thing to hear but the not so good thing is how am I going to get it to go down the racetrack without flipping over backwards? So, steering wheel was still straight at this point, I assume. Yeah, fairly. <laughs> okay. Fairly straight. We, we worked on the front end a little bit. Uh, I tightened up all four corners, got them about as tight as I thought I could with, with it and get it to go down the racetrack. Took seven degrees of timing out. I chipped it down 600 RPMs and I pulled a battery. And the pull to that was that was round by round. That wasn't all at one time. <laughs> that was a progressive adjustment. That huh? was every time I pulled up there, nervous. I didn't want to let go of the button. I just wanted to hold it. And I, <laughs> every time I let it go, I didn't really know what was happening. In the last run, it was starting to get dusk, and it tripped the sixty on the back tires. Oh, wow! I, so I pulled a battery out for for round four, and that turned out to be my demise, as it picked up more than I anticipated. So, um. Long story short, finally got it where I'd go down the racetrack and then got my brains beat out the rest of the weekend. Uh, but guys like uh, Shane Maddox and Loose Change and Jordan White, Jeff Verde, Brendan George, and a lot of people come by round by round. You know, somebody was diving under it, trying to help me. It was it was uh it was rough. It really was. Um, super nice racetrack and a super nice facility and staff made the. Made the uh, Galat fling a, a, a success, and we got JJ and I got out of there Saturday night about 11:30. So I'm on drive 
you know, as long as I can, one of these, maybe two to three hour deals and finish the rest of the nine hour trip on Sunday morning. And I drive about an hour and guess what I hear? Uh, the rear end's hammering again. So, <laughs> yeah, so I uh, pull over and it's been raining real good and there's nowhere dry on earth to lay under it. So, you know, you have to jack up the back with the with the hydraulic jacks and dive under it. So I do put my rod back in there and clamp it down again. And I don't really feel like it's one of those deals like when you let go, you don't feel like you got it all, but you didn't miss it. <laughs> I don't feel like I got the best repair done, but I didn't miss it. Well, 15 minutes later, <laughs> I missed it. So I had to pull back over. And this time I, I got, I'm laying under it with my flashlight on my phone in the rain, nasty, wet, just miserable, pure misery. And I put it together again, get the clamp tight and I get my duck brand duct tape, my red duct tape that never fails me. And I tape the dog crap out of it. <laughs> and if it came loose that time, we're probably just going to have to pull over and put for sale on it. <laughs> and I mean, that's 200 mile an hour tape. Surely it'll handle 70 riding home. Right? Surely. And so finally made it home. Uh, we, we got a little sleep in the middle of the night, Sunday, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Got up Sunday morning, made the rest of the trip home, made it just fine. So got lots of repairs to do this week. I won't be racing this weekend. Got Mother's Day activities over the weekend. So skipping out this weekend, going to fix my motorhome and my race car and everything else is tore up. My trailer jack. And then we're going we're gonna to get back out on the road, see what happens. Oh, you got to love it. Isn't it fun? Oh, it's a blast. It's a blast. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, everybody likes to tell you, I'm sure you hear it all the time about how lucky you are. You know, you get to, you race for a living. Living and, the dream. Yeah, living the dream, but it was more of a nightmare over the weekend, all except for the great event that I got to attend and be a part of and the awesome facility that it was at. Uh, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, Jed was at Galat. I was at Atlanta, NHRA Southern Nationals. Uh, good weekend for me. We'll get to that. Uh, yep. Overall results. We mentioned David Rampey earlier, Superstock winner. Um I thought I was doing something. Atlanta was a win for me. It was my, my 12th, a good solid dozen in HRA national event win. That is a, that is a great, I, I great list. Really impressive. It was David Rampey's 94th. <laughs> wow. So shout out Rambo. Like I said, got close to the double up. Um, he told me earlier in the weekend, he was driving in super street. I said, have you ever won an HRA national event in super street? I, I didn't think he had, I knew we had won IHRA multiple races and, and championships in the 1090 class, but I didn't think he had an NHRA. And he said, you know, I've, I, the best I can remember, I've entered one national event in Super Street in my life prior to this weekend. Uh, wow. So I thought that was an interesting tidbit. And he was driving his son's truck, got down to three, turned it red, I think, to Jeremy Hancock. So like I say, real close to uh, to being in two finals on the weekend. So kudos to him. He knocked off uh, Jeff Longany in the final. Uh, Jeff was red in Superstock. Stock eliminator, Cuda. As you discussed yeah. earlier, Jimmy Hidalgo Jr. Uh, got the win over Jerry Emmons. Emmons continuing his red-hot season um, despite yeah. the, the excessive braking infraction that we've debated at length. Uh, he appeared in the final, um, missed the tree a little bit, sounded like he had a blinder malfunction of some sort uh, to give Jimmy the win, but uh, congrats to Cooter. Super comp was myself. I got the uh, victory over Tony Helms in a good final. Been a heck of a season thus far um, on my end. 
Yeah, now you, we'll stop you right here. You talked about how you, you know, not sure about chasing and this and that, but Luke, you're, you're red hot in the long car. Um, you got to be having those thoughts right now. It's crossed my mind. I, I, I did actually look at a schedule this morning. I'm still not ready co- to uh, commit to anything. We got a lot going on outside of racing, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I can commit the six extra weekends to the divisional tour, but uh, it's definitely more of an option now than it was uh, two months ago. One more, one more killer performance, and and I think it's uh, just a given. Yeah, well, we'll go to Bowling Green in a couple of weeks for the Sports Nationals, and uh, if I have some success there, yeah, we may have to revisit this conversation. So, but uh, on my end, I, I know I probably sound like a broken record. Like my car was is typically really good. It wasn't as good as usual. It moved around a little bit to sixty foot. Conditions were really tricky in Atlanta. I would say more so me misreading the racetrack and the weather and the wind more so than my car letting me down. But I wasn't going what I thought I was going every single run. Um, I didn't drive particularly well. I, I say that. I had one round where I was awful and deserved to get beat, would get beat 95% of the time, um, especially against a caliber of the opponent that I was racing against. I'm not going to mention his name because he screwed up. He knows he screwed up. Nobody knows he screwed up more than he did. So I'm not going to the bus. But, uh, third round of eliminations, I let go of the switch and went, oh, that's not going to win. And and I just rode down the track, like, defeated. Like, I didn't – I would love to say, like, I bumped it down on the stop or reset or pulled it back into low and done something crazy, and I didn't. I just kind of rode down the track thinking I just lost. And I it to compound matters, I was late. I wasn't going as fast as I thought. I was getting nowhere near my opponent. I mean, and he is a guy that normally is – Going what he thinks he's going is set up pretty close to honest. And he pumped the throttle a couple of times, about 1,000 foot. And I just wanted to to get off the racetrack. I thought, this is, he is about to embarrass me. And I just hit the brakes because there was nothing left to do. Like, I just gave up. And my wind light came on. And I was 40 and dropped to 94. And my opponent went under. So that was my big break. And um, from there on, I did a better job. Um, but, but just to, to, to tell you how... You know, I know we've all been in this situation where you can't do nothing right, right? And no yep. matter what you do, you just cannot. You make all the right decisions and lay down excellent runs and get beat or whatever. Everything you do just turns to crap, right? Oh, yeah. Well, fortunate, and I know you've been there, and hopefully a lot uh, for, for your sake, I hope a lot of our listeners have been there. When you get on the other side of that, it kind of works the opposite way. Like you just can't do nothing wrong. Yep. And that's where I'm living right now. And I'm not arguing with that a bit, but case in point, <laughs> like I could just take credit and say, yeah, I'm the man. Here's the way the final round went. And I'll try not to get this a little bit inside baseball, but I'm, I'll try not to go complete like this is recording a lead instructor on everybody. Okay. <laughs> there was a, a, a myriad of, of reasoning behind my strategy for the final, but in layman's terms, I'm staging up for the final going, I'm going to be double O take double O. Like, I'm not real sure what I can go. I'm going to wreck the tree, cross first by a little bit. hope it works. Okay? Yep. So, great plan. Great plan, right? I turn loose. And, and on paper, you'd think, oh, I, I set up more aggressive than I normally would. I'm trying to be low double O. And on paper, it looks like, well, Luke did a good job. He's double O six on the tree. Okay. What actually happened in my mind is I let go and think, ooh, I didn't get all of that. And I thought, wrongly, that my opponent left first. I'm running Tony Helms, good racer out of Chattanooga, Tennessee area. Yeah. I'm wrong. I'm 006. He's 14. I am not thinking I'm awful late, but I'm thinking, ooh, that's not really what I wanted right there. We go on a stop. Now I'm 50-50. Like, take the finish line, drop. Take the finish line, drop. Keep in mind, not real sure what I can go. 
kick off the stop, <clears throat> easing on by him, and I, it's kind of a coin flip. Same to you could make, you could justify either decision. Take it, get behind. And I thought, screw it, I'm taking it. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cross. This is at the eighth mile. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cross first. So I drive on a little. I've got a couple mile an hour on Tony. I drive out a little bit ahead. I give it one good kick of the throttle, about thousand foot. And when I do, I lose all momentum, and I'm not ahead anymore, and I can't get back ahead. Uh-oh. And I thought, well, you idiot, now you got no damn choice. <laughs> so I drive it in a little further, and I hit the brakes because I can't get there first now. And then my wind light comes on, and I think, cool. How did that happen? <laughs> That's the way. And on paper, it looked good. I'm six, dropped to 91. I make a really good run, but in reality... <laughs> It was just kind of a happy accident, and that's the way things are rolling for me right now. So the uh, my one little tidbit, and I said this in the post-race interview, so I don't know if anybody's watching on, on live feed. I'll, I'll just kind of repeat myself, but it's a good story. My little man, as you know, Gary, four years old. Oh, yeah. At that stage, I, I think it's common. He don't care about nothing at the racetrack more than parachutes, wings, and hood scoops. Parachutes being the coolest thing out there. Two parachutes are better than one, but parachutes are cool, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So our agreement is when daddy wins, daddy pulls the parachute. Daddy forgot all about it at Las Vegas. Heat of the moment, like, you know, oh, yeah. you could justify that, I think. Understandable, yeah. To the point, and he gave me enough, a hard enough time about it in like the winter circle celebration that I just reached down and tried to pull the parachute while the car was sitting there. And realized that I've obviously never pulled the parachute because we don't do that very often. Realized that I didn't have enough adjustment on the cable. The parachute wouldn't pull if I wanted it to. So that oh. was good to know, right? Because <laughs> yeah. you might need that at some point. That's true. So I made the adjustments. Got that. All right. Handled. Before the final, Gary's napping. I wake him up. Hey, buddy, just want you to be up so you can see it. If I win, I'm going to pull the parachute for you. Okay, daddy. Cool. Right? Roll around for oh, the final. No. Now, I just told you how much of a wreck my head was going down the racetrack in the final. And how surprised I was when my wind light came on. And I went, wow, I just won the Southern Nationals. And I kicked it into neutral and shut it off and coasted. And about the time that I turned to make the big left at the end of the racetrack, I thought, you didn't pull the parachute. Oh, no. Which is just kind of par for the course because I pretty much did everything else wrong. Why not just add that? <laughs> so I rode back up the return road. And the first thing Gary told me is, Daddy, you forgot to pull the parachute in Las Vegas. And Atlanta. And he has given me a hard time about it ever since. So even though it was a great day, I kind of failed in the in the, in the dad department of the final. Well, I'm I'm sure he forgives you, and you'll get an opportunity to make it up to him soon at the rate you're going right now. But uh, enough about me. I, I, I when we when we started this podcast, I never dreamed it would be dedicated toward our success. But here the last month, like, we've had a lot of good stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah, you way more than I, but uh, definitely have enjoyed it. So, uh, Super Gas at Atlanta, I think I mentioned earlier, Ray Ray, Ray Miller III, uh, got the win in his beautiful Camaro over red lighting, red lighting David Tatum III. Um, like I said, Ray Ray had a shot to double up. Uh, Mr. Helms actually laid down 5,000 total on him in the semi as a super comp, or he may have been in both finals as well. How great is it to Ray Ray, obviously very deserving and capable, but how great is it to see Tatum uh, with the success he's having right now? Tatum is having a heck of a season, and if it wasn't for Little John Laboose overshadowing everybody in the Supergas class, 
uh, people will be talking a lot more about David Tatum. He's been to two national events. He's got two runner-ups. He's been to two points meets. He's got two semifinals. Both initially yeah. fell to the boost. Uh, he was telling me that over the weekend, but no, it, it is good, especially considering we've talked about it on the podcast, what he's been through. And I don't, have you seen that yeah. truck in person? I have not. Oh, just man. picture. Just it looks beautiful. It, just, it looks beautiful. Typical, what you would expect out of a David Tatum build. The attention to detail is uh, is pretty phenomenal. When I glanced in the window, I thought, man, that's the coolest thing ever. It looks like you don't have a wire in the car. Like it's all carbon interior. You can't see any anything oh. like it just looks like it just came out of a bickle shop or i think it's a bickle truck somebody like that built his old pro stock truck um, cool but yeah just gorgeous yeah and super street uh doug wood and took his cutlass to a dead-on win over the aforementioned jeremy hancock in his chevy vega um, good for doug there so Jeremy Hancock's tough out, but uh, he was kind of crazy fast there in the final. Yeah, he told me afterwards he was only going 79. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess Oops. you can only kill so much out there. Yeah, yeah, but that was Doug's first uh, national event win, and after, I think he said in the post-race interview, like 20 years of trying, so that was cool to see. Yeah, really cool. And here we go. Team Luke. Let's talk about top sportsmen. I'll let you. I'll let you call that one out. Team Luke, uh, my, my, I I feel really good about my top sportsman team, Big Jed. Uh, Sandy Williams yeah. just cemented that once again. Uh, another win for Sandy. I think that's his third final of the year, maybe four. Uh, got the win over my buddy Vince Hoda. Uh, Vince actually back to back national event runner ups for him as he was runner up to Keith Raftery in Houston in the uh, in the Dairy Queen machine. But uh, actually, an excellent final. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think they were both teen and dead on one above. It was a really close um, top sportsman final. Sandy got the better end of. And in top dragster, this one's near and dear to my heart. Might have been uh, yes. happier to see this than even to turn on the wind like myself. Um, Joe Fisher, the the hit, the big cheese boss man at uh, at racing RVs, got his first NHRA national event victory uh, in the top dragster category. And actually, as happy as I was for him, it was kind of bittersweet for me. I'd have been happy either way. Uh, he knocked off KB in the final, and after the hard time I gave KB last week, I would have liked nothing more than to see him get the win in top dragster as well. Uh, Kevin had a little issue in the final. I, he told me, and, and if I, I, I'm not real fluent in Pro Charger, like I don't speak that language just yet, <laughs> but I believe he told me that the line for the wastegate came loose or fell off. Bottom line was it, it couldn't build any boost. And a Pro Charger motor, when it's not building any boost, that goes from like the 607 dial in to like the 737. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not what you want. So a uh, tough break for KB, but like I say, just super proud and happy to see uh, Joe get the win. And like I mentioned earlier, he was on a rampage, man. He was uh, a thousandth of a second away from being in the final of Supergas as well. So heck of a weekend for Joe and heck of a weekend for racing RVs as a whole. Yeah, and winning the category he sponsors uh, had to be a little, little bit extra special racing RVs. And, and Joe does tremendous things for our sport so uh, great to see him come out on top there in, in his own category yeah very cool deal now we've got chris forsyth coming on in a minute we're running long as it is but we got a couple of other events i want to cover just fairly quickly um huntsville dragway which is like big money race central 2017 yes. um, had one of their let's make a deal events it was uh, five thousand win friday twenty thousand win saturday twenty thousand win sunday friday got rain shortened so that five thousand dollar purse got added on to the other two of the weekend um had a good turnout at huntsville it looked like sunday they collected some of the guys leaving galat headed home some of the southeast guys um yep. 
but uh, well over 200 cars uh, looked like an excellent turnout again and saturday's 20 grander uh saw scott wright knock off red hot michael pennington pennington and yep. another uh big money final in that uh incredible roadster that they've got and then sunday's 20 grander was uh, one of our local local racers up here he's actually resides in indiana but not too far from where i'm at now uh josh harper got the win uh josh was driving steve law's little nova um, got the win over Michael Davis, uh, Atlanta area, Atlanta based racer. So good on both of those. And just a, a what I thought was a astounding note from the weekend. Did you see this, Jed? I did see it. Uh, it's unbelievable. Of, of Dylan Green, uh, he's got a. It's a little Chevy too. Am I correct? Yeah, Kyle Green is. Uh, I think it's Kyle Green's son. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, a uh, <laughs> man, back to back, perfect runs. I don't. I, I don't I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that's never been done. Like I've never heard of that being done. I haven't either. And then that the the extra <laughs> side note to it is even more impressive. He ran the same guy on both the perfect runs. Like obviously one was a buyback <laughs> round. He came back around, hooked the same opponent, and once again laid him down. Nothing. I mean. Now you this know, was beside run. Roger Wigley, and I, I know Roger. He's he's one of my one of my Sand Mountain faithful. Wonderful guy. Uh the one of the nicest guy at the racetrack. Happy. He he waved at me at Holiday Beach last week twenty one times. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're Roger Wigley, on Monday morning, like at what point do you just go, man, this racing deal ain't for me? He staged yeah. up twice, and the time slips are on Facebook. Like Roger made two pretty good runs. Like one round he was double O, take double O. His opponent was yeah. perfect twice. <laughs> and that's when you line up beside him again in the lanes and you go, oh, perfect. Yeah, he, can't do he ain't again. doing that again. I'm gonna, <laughs> if I'm double O and take double O this time, he's done. <laughs> no, no, he's not, Roger. So, yeah, I, I thought that deserved mention. And that's uh, kudos to, uh, to Mr. Green. Sorry to uh, Mr. Wiggly, but w- what a story. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And uh, Back cross country at Boise, uh, they had the NHRA Division Six divisional, and uh, comp eliminator Ryan Higher Stay. Is that what is that what I'm seeing there? Higher Stay. I'll say you're right. I was part of in Chicago right? last year, and I I can I can neither confirm nor deny. He's a very nice man. Um, but uh, as far as the pronunciation of the last name, I'll, I'll go with you. <laughs> and got by uh, Ryan Warder and. In the final round, and Superstock was the guy we just talked about a little bit ago, Jody Lang over Alan Falcone. Yeah, Jody, we talked about his his prowess as far as doubling up at the national event level. He nearly got one uh, or two more of the Little Wallies this weekend. <laughs> no doubt. And um, he was runner-up in Stock Eliminator to a guy that's very familiar with the final round win, especially out that way, and that's Scott Burton in his uh, Pontiac. Yes. Yeah, B-stock automatic. <laughs> right. Super Comp was uh, no stranger to the Division Six winner circle. Well, actually, the final uh, two guys that uh, Division Six racers are probably all too used to seeing uh, hoist the wall at the end of the day. But it was Michael Dalrymple getting the uh, getting the victory over Mike Shannon. Super Gas was Chris Cannon over, I'll say, Steve Laskowski. That sounds good to me. All right, all right. Uh, 63 Corvette out of T-Guard, Oregon for Laskowski. Super Street, Larry Miner. Those of you that were fans of NHRA drag racing in the 1980s, not that Larry Miner. <laughs> Defeated uh, Matt Keelman in the final Super Street. Top sportsman, ten, Ken Ratzloff over Don Sefton. Uh, 
Jed, who won top dragster? I lost. Top dragster was Dave Jackson over Jessica Jewell. An all Washington final round there. Uh, Sportsman motorcycle, which we don't cover very much, was uh, Jacob Wood getting by Dan Patridge. And a Super Pro winner uh, added, I guess they add Super Pro to their divisionals out there. And that was uh, James Warden getting a win over Casey Compton. So nice, uh, nice event out there for Division Six. Super happy for James. He's one of our, uh, this is Bracket Racing Elite members. This is Bracket Racing Elite. I'll talk about it a little bit in the paid ad. Um, Our elite community had a heck of a weekend. So kind of spearheaded by by James. Uh, got to meet him in person out in uh, out in Las Vegas. Good guy. Uh, got uh, some great equipment under him. He's driving uh, for Tom Bayer. Um, got a good setup there, but uh, James fairly new to racing, so happy to see him get the win and get a Wally of his own. Yeah, absolutely. All right, on that note, um, this is Bracket Racing Elite. As most of you know, my season personally is off to one hell of a start obviously we won the million runner up in uh, super comp at uh, las vegas a win last weekend super comp in atlanta i'm not going to try to beat you guys over the head with that but i do attribute a lot of my recent success to the work that we do within this is bracket racing elite and it's not just me like i just said last weekend alone we had nine elite members score wins or runner-ups most of them wins at events from atlanta to boise from topeka to illinois to texas and all points in between. It was really cool. And I know that speaking just for myself, my mental outlook and preparation has been a huge factor in my recent success. Now, like if, like everyone, I have a lot of opportunities to turn pessimistic or, or lose confidence. Like it would have been really easy after my third round in Atlanta to say, wow, I really suck at this. But I kind of chose to look at it the other way and go, wow, I got away with that. I'm not going to make that better run again. Um, a strong mental game doesn't guarantee success by any means but a weak mental game almost certainly compromises it that's probably the biggest thing that we focus on in elite sure we discuss reaction times we talk about driving the top end we talk about vehicle setup and preparation but the main focus is really on the mental game and that attention um, to that detail has really helped me many many of our elite members say the same thing i think that we can help you too so to learn more check out the link on the this is bracketracing.com homepage it's on the right side of the page or message me directly. Um, in addition to This is Bracket Racing Elite, today's podcast is brought to you, as always, as all of our 25 episodes have, by Racing RVs. And we talked about Joe Fisher earlier. As most of you know, um, because we've covered it here several times on the podcast, Joe and I partner on a handful of coaches each season. These are units that are used. They're affordable. They have built-in features that I personally look for in a race rig. Um, my family and I use the units for our own races, racing. We demo them. We display them. And ultimately, we help racers like you purchase them from racing RVs. Like I said, the unit that we took to Atlanta is um, one, as I mentioned last week, that I am hesitant to even talk about. I really like it. I don't want to sell it. I would just assume keep it for myself. Um, but that's not what I do. My job is to try to sell these RVs. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. Um, it is an 04 show hauler. It's built on a Freightliner Century chassis. It used to be an over-the-road truck, so it has half a million miles on it. That shouldn't scare you. It doesn't scare me. Those trucks are built to go a million miles. It's not a big deal. The um, it, And it, everything works well. It drives great. It's got a 475-horse Cummins N14, which is a beast. Um, pulling my stacker to Atlanta, you go as fast as you want to go, whether you're going up Mont Eagle or as controlled as you want to go down it. 
Um, it's got a super slide. It's got a nice layout. It's in a new ceramic floor, new generator, new tires. It's got an outdoor freezer, outdoor grill, awning, super family friendly. We loved it. Plus, like I said, it's the best driving unit that I've driven and very comfortable. Big fuel tanks. Got a lot of neat features. And the best part is it's um, priced at $99,000. I'm going to say, obviously, $99,000 is a lot of money, but for an RV like this, it is a steal. It won't last long at that price. We had several people looking at it last weekend. For details, check out RacingRVs.com, call Joe, 419-236-1328, or give me a ring, look me up on Facebook. You want to make it in a song to do the Justin Lamb, win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam. You do the Kevin Brandon, lay the smack across the land, then you do the L-Ride and you come out like the world champ. All right, joining us now is a guy that's been instrumental in helping West Coast Bracket Racing get on the big stage uh, putting on a couple of races now on the west coast we're going to talk about the third annual fig speed west coast classic with successful sportsman racer successful promoter and just all around good guy chris forsyth chris welcome to the sportsman drag racing podcast appreciate it guys it's an honor to be on here with you too sir it's good to have you absolutely thanks for uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule to uh, to join us here on the podcast all right chris it seems like from this side of the country anyway that that west coast racing in the big money format at least is is on the rise for for years you guys didn't have many options and now there's more events popping up obviously with the the spring fling on that side of the country what you're doing see some races in utah the the races that have always been in boise um talk a little bit not so much about your events but the the acceptance of the big dollar format on the western half of the country right now well, I think uh, looking back on when I started racing right around uh, 2001, uh, at that time, obviously, big money bracket racing on the East Coast was pretty much in full stride. And uh, a couple years into that, you know, we've always had the night fire race up at Boise, which has been a successful event for, for a fairly long time. Uh, the Thanksgiving race out of Vegas uh, that came out with huge strides, and it is still still there. Um, it's not quite as highlighted every year as it as it once was, but they still get anywhere from two hundred. Um, but you had guys like uh, you know the, the great uh, George Howard. He brought the VM Racer Appreciation Series to the West Coast a couple of years. Uh, Vegas in particular. Danny Sons brought out uh, a few big dollar races out the Tucson area and stuff, and. I think at the time uh, where the East Coast was in full stride, maybe even the Midwest, the West Coast was still very much, and still for the most part, is very focused on uh, NHRA racing, you know, uh, class racing. And, and that's been kind of the battle, I use that term loosely, but that's been kind of the, the part where uh, promoting the big money stuff on the West Coast has had a little bit of a hurt. Um, and it's because I don't want to use the word uneducated, but I think it's just been unavailable. So moving forward, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, so so moving forward, you know, Peter and Kyle bring uh, their footprint to the West Coast with uh, potentially one of the biggest races in the country um, five years ago. And uh, here we are having a million-dollar race every spring in Las Vegas. And a couple of years back, after supporting their events, having been to some of the bigger dollar races on the East Coast, uh, I, I kind of felt like it was a good time. I was in a good position 
um, to kind of create somewhat of a stepping stone into that platform because Peter and Kyle's platform, at least on this side of the country, is looked at such top-tier event, which it is, uh, that there's really no stepping stones available for guys over here to build the comfortability, confidence, and, and kind of understand what goes on in order to take it to that next level. So the best way I've been able to the people um, that ask me about, okay, well, you know, are you guys competing with Peter and Kyle? No, of course not. I mean, the goal over here at this point is to definitely build grassroots racket racing on a big bug stage. So the way I visualize it is you got the Super Bowl. That's in Las Vegas every spring. That's the million-dollar race. I'm speaking to one of the Super Bowl champs. This is kind of cool. Uh, but No, it's not. You have, to have, <laughs> you have to have an NFC and AFC championship game in order to get to that point. So our events are kind of structured around the idea of the budget and the schedule friendly, but also the opportunity to kind of put these guys in those situations to build the comfortability and the confidence to, to go to a race like that. That makes a lot of sense. That's a great point. Yeah, there's not, I mean, forget big dollar racing, like there's not a lot of bracket racing in general in that area, is there? I mean, I know it seems to be more on the rise now, but for years, like a local event was an association race, correct? That is correct. I mean, for the most part, most of the bracket racing you're going to see on the West Coast is uh, your Summit Series racing. So, Chris, obviously your events are helping gain some notoriety for West Coast bracket racing, and, and it's it's at a level that's probably the highest it's ever been. But where do you see it going from here? Uh, we, we got two events. So at this point, where we see those going is we, we want to stretch those out on response. So we get support, we get response from our racers, which have been been very good at giving us their input on it, which is great because the only way we're going to be able to build these things is by opinion, good, bad, or sure. different. And, um, you know, five, 10 years from now, I, I've had a lot of people beating me up over wanting that they enjoy the points thing. So if I was looking at a long, long-term goal for what we're doing right now, uh, it could be, you know, a three to five weekend deal five events a year where guys have the opportunity to chase a points thing, very similar to like what Scott's doing down in the South uh, with the DRR series. Uh, there's a lot of good response on that. And um, I, I think with what we're doing now, Rocky Mountain up in Salt Lake City, they've added a couple of big bucks races for the weekend or a couple of weekends a year. I'm hoping it'll, it'll catch fire a little bit. You know, obviously you don't want to see it, you know, just go, straight into a blaze and then get put out nobody know what happened to it sure got to see some got to see some progression to it and um we just hope that what we do kind of says kind of helps the footprint that peter and kyle started over here to to kind of encourage people to say hey there's opportunity here Let, let's let's see what we can do with it. yeah one of, those, uh, one of those events at rocky mountain i think is actually coming up this weekend is it not yes sir yeah they're having one this weekend and then uh, uh we we actually have quite a few racers that'll be up at that event and they're going to be heading down south uh, either next week for the divisional it's at Montana or the following week. Classic. Correct. And the classic is Memorial Day weekend, correct? It's May 25th through the 28th. Yes. Yeah. This year we stretched it out an extra day. We've, we've had three day events the first two years. And uh, this year we decided to add a day. We added some more money to the top on Saturday for both classes. And we added some money to the bottom all three. So we're pretty excited about where they're going with 
Yeah, and this is, I mean, we tend to think of uh, West Coast big money races as, like you said earlier, kind of a, a, a different uh, level in terms of purse structure. This is what we're used to seeing on the on the East Coast, what you're putting on here in a few weeks. Yep. Um, Super Pro Friday looks like a warm-up race, more or less, 5,000 to win. Saturday, 10,000 to win. Sunday, 5,000 to win. Plus, you've got shootouts, um, 15,000 to win on the top. And your pro purses, your bottom ball purses are really high like for what we're compared to what we're used to seeing on this side of the world 3000 win friday 3000 win sunday 4500 to win saturday plus you've got your 64 car shootout for 10 grand on the bottom so lots of neat stuff going on at fontana yeah yeah we um you, you know everything's we I, I have mathematically looked through everything obviously and after last year you know like i talked about you got to have you got to see some progression both on our end and the racers in. So we've taken everything into consideration, adding a day this year, adding some money Saturday, um, our bonus shootout races. We, we, we kind of use this footprint to attract, you know, the 64 car stuff really attracts the guys that have been to the fling, have been to a couple of stackies, go to Boise every year. They kind of like that, that scenario of having that opportunity at some big money. Uh, with our bonus races, um, both the Silver State Commercial Refrigeration Super Pro 64 for 15 grand, and then the Mazir Pro 64, uh, 10 grand to win, uh, we run those eighth mile. And hmm. as crazy as it sounds, uh, we don't have lights at the Montana facility. So we bring in lights courtesy of West Coast equipment. We light the track up, use it for the eighth mile. Okay. We'll run the pro shootout Friday night following the main events and the Super Pro 64 shootout Saturday night. Cool. The main cool. Very neat. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering how that worked. And the correct me if I'm wrong, like I kind of get the impression that you're in a, a similar situation to what we were here when we started our, our door car shootouts at I-57 Drag Strip. Like for a couple of years there, our events kind of subsidized the racetrack to an extent at least you know i mean made it a lot easier to justify keeping the place open and that was really rewarding on my end as kind of my home track it's similar situation in fontana is it kind of a, a fragile existence out there uh well if you know anything about the racetracks in california <laughs> and more important more importantly fontana uh fontana is a very very unique situation because we have a lot of history here in racetracks i'm you guys all know about orange county raceway you all know about lions drag strip you know about riverside raceway and all these places the second they got the opportunity to be shut down they were shut down for good fontana mm -hmm. in 2011 was actually shut down due to a noise ordinance mm -hmm. and somehow or another with a ton of support from racers a ton of support from uh actually upper management with um, ISC, which is the corporate company that owns the facility, because obviously Fontana is located in the parking lot of the NASCAR track. Um, but it came back from the dead. And to, to be able to bring an event there that, you know, to attract, it's been good to me. I enjoy going out there. It's 35 minutes from home. It is home racetrack. Uh, to be able to bring an event there in, in to this capacity and get the support we do from the track manager, Tracy Fishley, and then also the facility general manager, which is Ray Wilkins, who used to run Atlanta Dragway. It's, it's absolutely awesome because we have to do what we can to keep people coming in there. Because if we don't, people that aren't there and the powers to be will say, well, it's just, 
it's not worth the time or the money. Mm-hmm. And obviously, yeah. everybody in Southern California wants to see that go away. So, uh, yeah, going back to what you said, absolutely. And Chris, one thing that jumps out to me, you know, I, I know a lot of West Coast racers, and I hear the stories when I get out to the West Coast that what they have to pay to run for certain dollar amounts, you know, what, what it costs them to run for a $1,000 purse. Uh, you've made this event very affordable uh, based on what you're what you're offering to the racers. So it's that's it's jumping out at me on the flyer. Yeah, I mean, um, like I mentioned before, the the whole premise for putting these together was to build an event by the racer for the racer, and and being a guy who uh, over the years has kind of come into some uh, more important priorities, work being one of them. And not quite having the time off to uh, travel and race like we did, uh, to be able to go do it over a weekend, want to come in Thursday and test a tune, and be able to you know race for three three good days. But we feel is a, a pretty solid platform. It's uh, it, it's it's pretty exciting. It's wallet friendly. It's time friendly, and that's that's the whole reason we want to do something. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We'll kind of issue the challenge to all of our uh, all of our West Coast racers to get out there and support this event. There's something for everybody, like Chris said. We got top bulb, we got bottom bulb, great purses for a small entry fee. If you're more of the high roller type, they've got the shootout races in addition to the main events. Um, got great sponsor um, uh, involvement. Got a little something going on for everybody. So again, May 25th through 28th, Auto Club Dragway in Fontana. The west coast classic chris is there anything we missed no i mean we got a lot of money to give away and uh backside of the flyers got almost thirty-five thousand dollars worth of giveaways so when you say there's something for everybody there is something for everybody yeah and hats off to you on that being jed and i both understand the the promoter aspect of it and how much work goes into that end uh most racers don't completely appreciate that but they appreciate it when you hand them something so that's awesome (laughs) Yeah. If, if I have to stand at the gate and everybody an ice cream cone, I'll do it. <laughs> well, this is the West Coast Classic uh, brought to you by Fig Speed. And uh, I know a lot of the West Coasters, and you, you've been saying for years when you see a flyer like this out here, you said, Man, I wish we had a race like that to go to. We would tear it up. Well, here's your opportunity. This is, uh, this is for you, for the West Coast guys. So get out there and support Chris and all these great sponsors that are contributing. <laughs> All right, guys, that wraps up episode 25. I uh, want to say thanks again to our sponsors. These are the people that bring the podcast to you every week. Uh, this is Bracket Racing Elite and Racing RVs. As always, want to thank PJ North for the tunes and the intro. You can find PJ's work on uh, iTunes, which I think now is actually the Apple Store or something like that. I should know that as a podcaster. Um, <laughs> and, of course, thank you to our guest, um, Chris Forsyth. Uh, West Coast Bracket Races, like we say, go support Chris, uh, support this great event at Fontana. We're looking forward to it. We will be covering it. We'll talk about uh, all the winners, runner-ups, happenings uh, as it happens down there Memorial Day weekend. And Jed, a little bit of a treat for us. I don't know. Obviously, we're we're not the most technically sound uh, podcast in the world. We do all of these (laughs) recording on Skype, which is, as we've said before, is talking on the Internet. We've never actually used the video feature of Skype. For good reason. Exactly. Like I, I just sorry, buddy. I, I just don't care to look at you. I like listening to you. Um, 
Chris, obviously a step up the ladder from us on the technical end. Yeah. We got to see Chris, which was a treat for us. Chris is a good-looking man. Yeah, um, he is. Beautiful. If you guys could see Chris, we, we just joked with him, I, I think that the female listening audience would spike. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> so, no doubt about it. <laughs> he, he was on uh, on my screen the whole time we were talking to him. It was just really awesome. I know the females would love it. So, Chris, thank you for that treat. That was extra special. <laughs> I know Jed said earlier we had some audio issues there, but if you could just see Chris as he was talking, even if you couldn't hear him, it just it was all fine. Like he's right. a, it really didn't even matter what he was saying. Just a pleasant man it. to watch. <laughs> all right, guys, be sure to remember that uh, we're going to release a show every week of the calendar year, and we're on pace to do that again with uh, this week's show. And Wait, this we is episode make sure- 25, and we did a triple zero. We're halfway through. We're halfway to a year. Yeah, it's time's flying by. It really is. Cool. And, uh, you know, we're doing a show every week, and you get the uh, opportunity to stay tuned, and you'll hear plenty more going forward. Exactly. Um, if you're listening, I don't have to tell you where to find the podcast, but I do have to tell you to subscribe. That's how you get the uh, the, the notifications of a new episode before anyone else. Like I said, we're on uh, Apple Music Store, or Apple Store. Uh, we're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. Um, you can find us anywhere. And like I say, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Absolutely. Make sure you tell your friends to check out the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Uh, you know, I'm a little biased, but I feel like we're uh, bringing something to sportsman racing that it needed, and it's been a lot of fun, and we hope that you tell your friends and help us continue to grow the show and get your track involved. Uh, we've sent out a challenge, and so far, Greer Dragway in South Carolina is the only track that showed us that they're playing the, the podcast during downtime. So try to get your track involved, and uh, if your track wants to be talked about and uh, featured, have them get in touch with us. It'll be an opportunity for us to talk about some great facilities out there. You know, you brought up a good point, Jed. At this point in time, I feel pretty confident saying we got the best damn podcast in Sportsman Drag Racing. <laughs> That's what we should have called podcast it. Podcast in Sportsman Drag Racing. That's what we should have called it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all so clear now, six months in. Uh, join us on Facebook. We're Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Um, Again, looking for still looking for some feedback, and uh, on the theft episode, we'll do that next week. We've got lots of great stuff to touch on already. You can touch base with us there. You can touch base with us with us on Twitter. I'm at Luke Bogacki. That's B O G A C K I. He's at J P eleven X. This has gone super long. If you're still listening, thank you for putting up with us for an hour yes. and a half or whatever this has been. Um, and we will touch base next week. Thanks again for listening. Absolutely. Thanks, guys, and happy Mother's Day to all the wonderful mothers out there. This is a way of life. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning it. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal 
in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.